You should see a countdown there. Maybe. Oh, it didn't count down. It did. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, this is Denise and Brandy with Eternally Fit, and Brandy's going to introduce our guest for the day. Yes. So we have Jill on, Jill Payson. Um, I've known her for quite a while. If you guys think about like um, you, the military families that move around, we were the oil field families that moved around quite a bit together. So we just kept moving and knew each other. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I've heard Jill's story before and it really impacted my life because of my son at the same time. So um, I'm going to let Jill tell her story and then, you know, we'll ask questions along the way or whatever, however it goes. All right, Jill. Okay. So first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for giving me a different platform to share my story. Um, I think it's awesome. And I just, I feel blessed to be able to share it wherever and whenever I can. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about. Uh, so just a little background. Um, my husband and I, we, um, we were high school sweethearts. We were married for five years before we ever had our first baby. Perfectly normal pregnancy, healthy, oblivious of anything that could even possibly go wrong. Um, fast forward five years later, we have we have a healthy little girl, Abby. She's five, and we finally decide we're ready to have another, get pregnant, and again a very normal pregnancy. The whole entire time, I am. I'm very active. I worked out the whole pregnancy. Um, Abby was a very crazy wild child. So I decided I was going to cut out caffeine this whole pregnancy, just doing everything like I'm supposed to do. Um, we were living in New York at the time. Um, like Brandy said, um, my husband owned an oilfield business and his job took us there. We are, we live in Texas. We had relocated there and I had an appointment every, every time it was always at like 8.15 after I dropped Abby off at school, I would go have my checkup. Everything was going mm -hmm. great. And then third, my 37 week appointment, my um, doctor couldn't get me in in the morning. So it was set for three o'clock that afternoon, mm -hmm. took Abby to school. My girlfriend and I were running errands. We did some stuff for Chris that day. We had lunch. Um, I was very busy, very on the go, very pregnant, didn't have a whole lot of room. My Siri was talking to me. Didn't have a lot of room, you know, to really feel a ton, um, of movement. And mm -hmm. I remember now looking back, you know, after everything that I'm about to tell you happens, I do remember thinking he's being really still today, you know, and I think I must have made that comment out loud. And Stacy was like, girl, you have like no room in there. Like you're all baby. So I go to my three o'clock appointment. Um, Chris had an office 45 minutes away. So it was just me very quick appointments, usually, you know, in and out. And so, um, the first thing they did was bring out the Doppler and put it on my belly and, just normal, yeah, totally this normal, um, moving it around, you know, and just kind of continuing to move it around and never, I'm never, I'm not alarmed at all. She's just like, he's just, he's being stubborn. Like he's probably, you know, hiding in the back, you know, I'm going to go and, um, we're just going to do a vaginal ultrasound 
just so I can get a closer look. And so she was like, head out to the waiting room and I'll call you when it's time to come back. And as I sat in the waiting room in a, pre- in a room full of pregnant women, it just, it, it instantly just hit me like something's wrong. Um, I instantly sent a group text to my mom and my sister and my sister-in-law. I did not send anything to Chris because I didn't want him worried if there was nothing to worry about. But I just had this gut feeling that something was bad. And I just said, they couldn't find a heartbeat. Uh, Y'all pray, pray everything's okay. And so after I sent that out, I just completely lost it in the waiting room. Had to go ask them for a room, go into the room. The sonographer comes in and confirmed what I was thinking. And the four most awful words you ever want to hear when you're pregnant, it's just, you know, there's no heartbeat and totally blindsided, you know, like I said, was completely healthy pregnancy, taking care of myself, doing all the things, had a healthy pregnancy before, never, ever even thought that something bad could happen. And there was just a lot, I felt like there was a lot of just questions and things thrown at me that I, that I had to decide and did not know what to say. Um, I had to call Chris and tell him over the phone and it took him about an, about 45 minutes to get there. Luckily, my mom and my sister had relocated to New York as well that year because their husbands were, were working for Chris. So my sister got there before Chris did. And um, I just remember waiting for someone to get there to be with me. I was just in the dark room, just falling apart, <laughs> um, not knowing. I mean, it, it, I just couldn't absorb what they said had just happened. And, um, once Chris had gotten there, you know, the doctor was telling us you can, you can either, you know, go home and let this happen naturally, you know, just whenever that might be, or we can admit you this evening, go home, gather your things and we'll induce you in the morning. And again, don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. Um, and we, we made the decision mm-hmm. to go to the hospital. Um, I just, okay. it was just like, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't think of going home and with Abby, with just everything acting like everything was fine. I don't know. I just couldn't do it. So we went home, packed our bags and what Chris was waiting in the car. And I remember when I got out of the car and I walked inside, I was walking through the garage. I can picture it so clearly. I felt I felt something like it felt like a kick in my stomach. And I immediately told Chris, I'm like, the doctor's wrong. Like he is alive. Like I felt a kick and I was holding on to that hope (laughs) the whole ride to the hospital. Um, They took me up to the room and that's the very first thing I told the nurse. I was like, this is what the doctor told me, but I just felt, I just felt him kick. And I'm sure she knew the answer, but she did, you know, do a Doppler again just to, I think, just satisfy my mama heart. But it was basically like a like a ghost flutter. So it's I guess it was my body already starting the contractions, the process. Okay. And so then I really knew like 
I am fixing to have to do this. You know, I was scheduled to be induced the next morning at like seven or eight. I don't remember. Um, they took us to a room like on a hall without any other, you know, pregnant mamas, very secluded. The nurses were absolutely amazing, very compassionate. Um, and Chris had fallen asleep. I was laying in the hospital room. It was dark. And I just remember completely full of fear. <laughs> fear because I was about to deliver my baby boy who was not going to be alive. And I just, I just kept telling God that I could not, I cannot do this. And um, I cry every single time I tell this story and I've told it a million times. I always think I'm and I always do. Um, yeah, but the emotions just show. I, like, I mean, it does not matter how, how much time has passed. Like, it's your baby. And that, that is going to be a pain that you just have to learn to live with. So, right, right. Um, I was at a phase in my spiritual life where I, you know, I grew up going to church. Then kind of got away from it through college. Started going to church again um, shortly after we were married. Um, Chris wasn't going at the time. But I never really, I wasn't at a place where I like could just pull scripture, you know, and, and comforted, right. comforted by his word. And all I kept hearing when I was telling God that I could not do this over and over and over, I just heard, fear not, I'm with you. Fear not, I'm with you. That's, that's, that's what I was hearing in this dark hospital room. Um, and now I know it was the Holy Spirit. And God was just with me. He was with me in the most darkest place of my life. And I started having contractions shortly after. And full-on labor, two pushes, and I delivered pain. And I remember um, I didn't, I didn't look whenever he was, whenever he was born, I was, I was scared of what I would see. Um, Chris, Chris looked and the doctors confirmed. Um, so it was a court accident. So he was wrapped two times around his little right arm and once around his neck. Um, knowing that was, so I had a whole lot of guilt whole lot of guilt after I found out because the night before I had my appointment where I discovered he didn't have a heartbeat. I was laying in bed. Chris and I was laying mm -hmm. in bed. I was trying to go to sleep and he was always very active in my stomach. But that night, yeah. it was over the top. Like he was moving all over the place and to the point where I was like almost in tears because it hurt. Like he just, he wouldn't be still. And I remember Okay. Up my shirt and telling Chris, like, look at my stomach. Like he is, he is going crazy. Like I cannot get comfortable. I cannot, it hurts, you know? And I remember like rubbing on my stomach and, you know, just trying to settle him. And finally I was able to go to sleep. So after I knew that it was a court accident, instantly mom guilt is super strong. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that that is probably what was happening the night before. And I'm, I'm his mom. I should have known. Like, I should have known this was out of the ordinary. I should have gone to the hospital. Like, if I 
have gone. What if, what if, what if, what if? And the what ifs like drove me insane and heavy, heavy, heavy guilt for, for a while. Um, and then finally I just, grief is weird. I mean, it's scary. I was scared because those thoughts kept consuming me and I knew that I was a wife. I knew that I was a mom to a five-year-old who knew me. I didn't want to get out of bed every morning, but I did it not willingly, but because I was scared of what would happen if I didn't. And I was scared of what guilt was doing to me. I mean, depression is, you hear about it and it's, it scared me. And so I finally, I mean, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and, and God just, you know, again, just comforted me and let me know, like, this is not your fault. You are a great mom. You loved him so well. Like I was just, I, I, I finally let that go. It didn't consume my thoughts anymore. Um, so when we, how long did it take you? Do you think, Joe? <sighs> I mean, honestly, I don't think it took me all that long. It felt like forever, but I would say a couple months that I I really wrestled with. And I didn't, I didn't really tell anyone that I was wrestling with that, but God knew like in at nighttime, Mm -hmm. like that's all that consumed me. Like I hated the night. The nights were so hard because I would just lay there Mm -hmm. and and just think what if, what if, what if, and it, it just consumes you. Um, so back to the day that we delivered, um, he had a head full of dark hair, the most beautiful, precious little face, perfect little lips. Like he did not, he looked like he was just sleeping. Like, it, it was, I mean, he was beautiful. And I had had a dream about him a um, couple of months before. And dreams are weird, but he was like a toddler. And I was in the delivery room, but I delivered him as a toddler. Was walking <laughs> around my room and he was a dark haired little boy with dark eyes. And it was wild. It was, it was almost like God gave me that because he knew I wasn't going to get to see him at age. Right. And I have never dreamt of Cain ever, except for that one time. Ever. Really? And sometimes I'm like, God, let me dream about him. And then sometimes I think he's protecting my heart because it's going to be really sad, you know, waking up and realizing. Dream. Right. But I remember in the, in the um, hospital room, Chris and I both, you know, the nurses, um, just let us have as much time as we wanted with him. And it sounds crazy because of how awful a situation it was, but both of us could not explain it any other way than just complete peace. Nothing. I I don't remember anything else. I don't remember sounds. I don't remember anything whenever we were with him and holding him, but complete peace, which is the peace that passes all understanding because, People that don't understand, they're like, how do you have perfect peace when you're holding your baby that is not living, right? It can only right. come from God. <laughs> um, right. that. And um, at that time, Chris was not super, he was, no, he, he was a believer. He's always been a believer, wasn't involved in church, 
but after we lost Cain, I remember the Sunday I went, I started going back to church. Abby and I are getting ready and he's getting dressed. And I'm like, I'm trying to play it cool. And he's like, I think I'm going to go to church with y'all. And I'm like, okay. And so <laughs> you never know what purposes your hurts <laughs> are going to be used for because uh, one of my very good friends and I both, like we went to church forever with, we were sitting together. Our husbands didn't go. One of my greatest prayers for the longest time was, God, just get Chris to church, get him to church, get him to know you, get him to want a relationship with you, not just to, to know your God, but to know you are God. Um, and right. I truly feel like that, like Cain had a huge, huge hand in that. Um, God used, mm. God used that situation. Um, for the good. Um, and doesn't that give you comfort knowing that, you know, Cain is there to help that he helped. Yes. Us? And it sounds like sometimes I'm like, should I say that out loud? Because it's not like I'm saying I'm thankful. I have joy right. that my son isn't here, but my husband knows the Lord, but God works. God works in mysterious ways. He can use anything for the good and you can have joy and suffering at the same time. Like they can live. I think it's a comfort. It's a comfort yeah, knowing for sure. Um, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Um, let's see. So another question that was, um, that we didn't know what to say when he was born, they were like, you know, there is an organization there. It's called now I lay me down to sleep and they take, professional photos of your baby for you to have, you know, forever. And I remember like Chris and I both were like, is that weird? Like are, are, how many people actually do this? Like it's, is it weird taking a picture of our baby that is not alive? And I remember right. the nurse telling me about it. And then she was like, I'll give y'all some time to think about it and came back in. And I was just telling her, I was like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I want to do it, but, I feel like, is that weird? Like, I don't, I don't know. And she said, I'll tell you what, she's like, if you don't want, you know, someone to come in and make a whole, you know, session out of it, she said, I have a um, Polaroid camera. I can take him, I can give him a bath and I can just take, take some snapshots for you and I'll give them to you right here. I was like, that is awesome. And I am so glad, so, so glad that I did that because they are my most treasured possession are his pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we, we have it in the house. I have it in his memory box, like Abby. Um, that's how she got to see her brother. Um, and that's another mm -hmm. thing that, that we, with. Yeah. um, as I mentioned, so our oldest was five at the time and she wanted a baby brother so badly and was very, very, very involved through the whole pregnancy. And we didn't, we didn't bring her to the hospital. She was five. Like I wrestled with that. And that is probably, I'm not going to say I have, um, oh, what's the word? Like I regret it. But it is something I wish, kind of wish we would have done. 
Um, but you don't but know at that time, know. you know, with her Chris, grandfather. Chris is very, very, he is more so than I am, just very um, aware of, how do you say it? Um, prote- he's super, super protective. And mm-hmm. we were both like, she's five years old. Like, can she handle that? Like, I never dealt with grief. Like, this is the first time I've dealt with grief and I'm 27 years old. Like, she's five, you know, and we were just wanting to protect her. And so we didn't, we didn't have her come up. And when we came home, it was, I don't know what was harder, <laughs> delivering or telling. Because um, she was with my sister and Chris and I came home from the hospital later that evening. And Haley brought Abby over. And she had no clue what was, she thought that I was going to the hospital to deliver her baby brother and bring him home. And I remember we were sitting on the couch and she walks through the door and she just kind of looks around and she could tell I'd been crying. She could tell something was wrong with her dad. And she just had this look that a five-year-old shouldn't have to have to deal with. And we had to tell her and it was awful. It was awful. And, uh, that was some of the hardest times of being a mom was helping helping her navigate her own grief whenever I was grieving so badly. Um, so speaking to that, if you if you relate to my story, like um, I hate that you do, but if you have you know other children that are also walking through that, I just um, I strongly encourage you to talk about it. I did not, I did not shy away from talking about Kane with her. And I really think it helped, like, just using his name in casual conversation. Um, a couple months after, I really wanted Abby to see him. And Chris was really scared to show her pictures. And we found... This is a couple months after. I'm sorry? A couple of yes, months after? several months after. Okay. Um, you know, we had already had his funeral. It was a closed casket. Uh-huh. We we came back to Texas to bury him. And I just carried his pictures everywhere. And I, I like, I just wanted to show everyone. Like, I was proud. Yeah. He was beautiful. He was mine. And I just kept telling Chris, I'm like, I really think it's going to help her. I think it's going to help her grieve. Like she asks all the questions, you know, what did, what did he look like and what color was his hair and how big was he? And so finally, you know, I think he realized like Jill is not going to give this up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she just, it was just the sweetest tender moment. I mean, she just held him, held his picture, you know, rubbing, rubbing his little, her little finger across his face. And, um, she still to this day, like has a picture of him, like up in her room, um, tucked onto her little mirror that she gets ready in every day. Um, but there's, there's just a very fine line, I guess, when you're dealing with kids walking through grief, but I fully, mm-hmm. fully believe that they are capable of so much more than we think they are. They're resilient and just, they need to know that it's okay to cry. They need to know it. And in ways, 
And in ways they help us to grieve. Like they help. I remember there were times when we would just cry together or one time I was, I was just having a day. I mean, they just happen and it was still pretty early on and she was fine. Just like mom, she was like, uh, what was her word? Something like, um, you know that that you are Cain's mom, but Jesus is his forever babysitter, and he's taking care of him. Get there, you know, like they. I know kids say the <laughs> the kids say the best things sometimes. So I'm important <laughs> to give them the opportunity to feel all the things, to walk through it with you, like to not hide, like everything's okay because this world isn't always just rainbows and roses like you have to know how to get through the hard things and then fast forward um like two years I guess we get pregnant again because I just so how did you make that decision to say okay let's try again I remember Chris saying pretty pretty early like I I really want to try again like one another and I absolutely was not having it I was like I cannot I cannot take the risk of of walking through that again I I can't and then as time went on a couple months went on you know I mean just just this ache in my heart for a baby like we wanted another baby so badly and um finally decided okay we're gonna we're gonna try and I remember when I took the pregnancy test, I was home by myself and I saw the positive and it was like the, the most excited emotion and the most scared emotion wrapped in one. And I just remember falling to the bathroom floor and crying. And I felt just like I did back in that delivery room. I just kept thinking, can I do this? Can I do this? <laughs> like, I know now I'm not naive. I know what can happen. Um, and it was the most, it's, I mean, it's sad, but it was the most nerve wracking, the most high anxiety nine months of my entire life. I did not have, I did not Mm. have a, I don't know. I was a ball of nerves and mess. And I mean, so bad that I like had a Doppler, like I bought a Doppler and I constantly was checking my stomach. And I think that's normal talking to people now years like it's normal. Yeah. But it it was kind of sad because I didn't get that same experience with with Maggie like I did with Abby through my first pregnancy. Because I was worried. But um, right, right. at my 30, 37 week appointment, I go in, my doctor fully knows, you know, my previous circumstances. And I, my fluid levels were just like a smidge low. And she, I always, I kept telling her, I'm like, Dr. Atkins, like, if there is any way, like, I, I don't want to go past that, that mark that I lost came. Like, can we don't? And she was like, technically I can't induce you unless there's a reason to induce you. And so you're like, there's the reason. So we, I, I go to that reason. appointment and like I said, just going to be an appointment. And she's like, you feel like having a baby today? I'm like, yes, ma'am, I do. She's like your fluid levels are low. Here's my reason. Get you to the hospital. <laughs> so, Yay. Uh, yeah, we had Maggie um, perfectly healthy. 
little baby girl um, about two, about two years after we lost Kane. And now Maggie, I mean, even though she was not even in the picture whenever the whole, you know, the whole loss of Kane, she 100% knows her big brother. She knows the full story. We still talk about it in casual conversation. I mean, I've caught, I've caught her friends, you know, asking questions because she talks about it and she's like, they'll be like, is this your brother? That's in heaven. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, she'll be like, I have a brother and a sister. Um, I don't know. I just love it. And I love that they're comfortable enough to share it. You know, he's, he's ours and he's part of our family and always will be. And nothing is going to change that. Death can't take that away from us. So. Oh, that's great. I remember when this all happened, cause we were living in the same place you were, we were pregnant to get, Oh no, we weren't, we were, we were involved or we had just, oh, I just moved. moved to Ohio. Yeah. So we had just moved and I remember cause my son, so Kane would turn 11 on March 31st, correct? Tomorrow. So, and my son turned 11 on March 16th. So he's only two weeks older than yours. And, you know, we, we were in the same area and I just remember holding mine, just oh, bawling yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. yeah. Just crazy. I just, Oh, I remember that day yeah. to just very, very, I'm sure. Yeah. It just put things into perspective, I guess, you know, don't really know. Oh gosh. You don't know until you know, basically. Right. Especially when you, well, not just saying when you, when you have a friend that's that close in your pregnancy walk, you know, like I can't, I'm sure it did. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, you just wonder like, why did that have to happen to Jill and not me? Like what? I mean, cause you were full term healthy and you know, just weird. Just the whole thing. Just weird. Um, one of the things that our Sunday school teacher is always telling us is, you know, when why do bad things happen to good people? Like why? Instead of asking why did this happen to me, you ask you you change the narrative and you say, what can I get? From like what good can come from this bad? And so that I feel like has been my new life mission. Like I take every single opportunity I can to share my story. People that know me know that I'm open to sharing my story. You would not believe the women that I have been put in contact with that have walked a similar path. You know, some of them. Well, you have, you have your foundation yes, now. Yes. And I tell us about all this stuff. Yeah. You have going I, on. I remember, um, just a couple months in, you know, um, my main prayer at that time was use me like I am. I don't want, I don't want Kane to be forgotten. I don't want all of this heartbreak and wrestling that I've been going through to go to waste. Like you don't waste anything. So use me. And that's when people started telling me, Hey, I have a friend that just lost a baby or, you know, three years ago, my best friend had a miscarriage. And so I slowly started reaching out that way. And it was, it was always just through like um, Facebook messenger or text or anything like that mm-hmm. for several years, actually. Um, and then uh, we moved back to Texas and it was his first anniversary. 
and I wanted to do something really big. Like I felt like, and, and, and it doesn't mean you have to do anything really big on an anniversary, but that's just what I wanted to do. And so I formed a team and we raised like over $10,000 for a March of Dimes. And we did the, the March for Baby. And then, oh, this is a really part, uh, totally forgot about this part of my story. So the next year, I'm like, I've done March of Dimes. I feel like there's something more I can do to like reach more women, to comfort them more. So I was laying in bed one night. So at our hospital in New York, when Kane was uh, delivered, I remember seeing two little stuffed animals in his bassinet. Like we're holding him and there's two animals in his bassinet. And at the time I'm thinking, what, what are they there for? Like, I'm not too sure, you know, well, we, we bring them home with us. We didn't bring Kane home. We brought two animals home and there was like this little card and one of the bears had a little t-shirt on it with the hospital um, logo and it's something about comforting, you know, anyway. So the hospital gave mamas and families who'd lost babies, these animals to bring home with them. You know, they're going home with empty arms. They have something of remembrance of their baby. Like those two animals were laying against my son's skin. Like, Mm. huge to my recovery and let me tell you with Abby's I mean I am so thankful of whoever thought to do that because she I kept one and she had one and she had the horse and I had the Mm. bear and I mean there were times whenever early on in my grief I mean I just wanted to hold him and I would just have the bear and I would look at his picture and I would just cry and rock and just I knew that that was as close as I was going to get to him, you know, this side of heaven and Abby the same. And, um, so, and then later on now, Ab- Maggie sleeps with cane bear <laughs> and Abby has the horse. So it's around our family. It's very, very comforting. It may sound really weird, but it was, it's been a very comforting, important part of healing, especially for the girls. So that second year, it, I, it dawned on me, I'm like, why don't I have a fundraiser and then I'll buy stuffed animals and I'll take them to all these hospital labor and delivery rooms for moms here that have experienced the same thing, you know? So that was a huge mm-hmm. thing that I did for, I think maybe six, maybe like six years. So I would, I would uh, fundraise mm-hmm. all of March and then at the end of the month, we would go buy stuffed animals or whatever. We did it several different ways. But, and then my family, we would go to all the hospitals like Fort Worth, Denton, all the bigger hospitals, local hospitals, and donate to labor and delivery. And then um, during COVID, they weren't expecting to be able to receive them. And so that kind of put a damper on things. Um, oh, yeah. And um, so now I fundraise for Gathering Hope which is a whole nother story. I don't know. I would love to share of that if you have time. I have no clue how long we've been talking. No, we have, we have time. Denise will just, she's got to go get her child. Okay. So she'll just kind of drop off. <laughs> so whenever. whenever we moved um, back to Texas, we had built a house in Alito and um, a friend of mine that I did CrossFit with kind of knew some of my story. And she has, she went to a church 
um, and knew a friend who started this organization called Gathering Hope. And she told me about it. She was like, I know, I know you've lost. Like, I know some of your story. I also have a friend, like she's, she's trying to start this organization up for lost moms and she's having this big event in October. Um, you can meet other moms, you know, um, it's a Christian based organization. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I need this. Like I want to go. And, um, long story short, I didn't end up going like I chickened out. Um, you I, it was go. a super, like the night that I, that it was, um, on, it was very, very bad weather, like really bad. And I knew I was going to have to drive like 20 minutes and it was horrible weather <laughs> and I didn't go. And, um, they actually like lost electricity that first time. And they did the whole event by candlelight, which is just a whole nother story. But anyway, it was, it was amazing. They said, so next year comes around and I'm like, Dad Gummit Jill, I'm I'm doing this. I'm going. I got on their website. I still didn't know anyone. You know, I didn't know who started this organization or anything. Got on their website and I was just going to attend it. And then it said, we need volunteers. And there were all these options. And I'm reading through the different descriptions of things like a door greeter, um, helping with decoration. And then there was one called a table leader. And I'm like, what is this? And so part of the, um, part of the event, you are circled up into small groups of women, like eight or less, and you're sharing your story just with that small group versus the big room mm -hmm. and a table leader basically shares their story first and then just kind of, you know, facilitates the conversations and lets everyone who wants to yep. share, share. And I was like, I've shared my story enough. Like, I want to do this, like this this is what I've been praying for. Like I've been praying for God to use me in a bigger way. This is it. And so I signed up without ever knowing what I was getting myself into to serve as a table leader and to attend the event the first time and totally like gathering hope gives me so much purpose. Like I feel, I feel like it was what I was meant to do whenever I'm, you know, comforting these women, talking with these women, sharing their stories. Um, so it is a nonprofit. Um, they offer community to lost moms. They offer resources, um, counseling, um, an amazing community of women who've lost. Um, unfortunately, there's too many um, that do know it, but and we don't, uh, you know, many people nope. don't know. And no I idea. always tell my friend Deanne, um, I'm like, you have no idea how much that one little invita invitation that you gave, like, changed me. Like, <laughs> gathering hope was such a huge part of my healing Good. process because I'm just one of those who I have to talk about it. Like, there are some who completely close up and they, they just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. But I, I've got to get it out. I have to tell my story. I want people to know about it. I want other people to know that, hey, this happened to me. You're not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. Like, yes, our stories are different, but they're also very similar. And, you know, I'm here for you. Um, so I've served with Gathering continuously for the past seven years, I believe. I was a table leader. I, um, then I was like the leader of all the table leaders for many years. 
then I was a Texas coordinator um, the year before last because it started in DFW area and now it is in different states. Um, it's virtually, um, we have home sites where you can like host, host one at your house. Um, there are people that log on from different countries. Like it is growing. Phenomenal. Wow. I mean, it's amazing what God is. Doing. Well, well, we'll have to put that. Yeah. We'll have to yes, put the link absolutely. down that one and your other one. And then maybe even if you're okay with it, we could put a picture. Oh, absolutely. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, last year I was asked to lead like a live Q and a panel like discussion. So I am not a big fan of public speaking. I do. I like to be a wallflower. Like all the attention, like the a room full of attention on me. I just sweat bullets. And when Peyton and Carol, they're the, they're, they're the co-founders who I adore. And I know very well now working with them through the years. Um, they're like, we were looking for someone to lead this panel. Like we think you would be awesome. And I'm like, Every single time they would ask me something new, I said, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. And then I would pray about it. And God says, yes, you can do that. Like, you know, ha ha. So, um, <laughs> so I led like the full, the full room, walked up on stage with, um, I guess there was five or six other people and openly just talked about child loss and grief and how God has a story in it and how he can use us. And um, I had complete peace in doing it. I mean, I was trembling in my boots up until, but once I stepped on the stage, I was just like, got it. I got this. Um, so you never, oh, you cool. never, you just don't doubt God. You, you, you never know what he is going to use you for, use your story for. Um, someone else may hear your story and be affected by it. That's why. I don't mm -hmm. think you've got to share. <laughs> you've got to share it because you don't know who you're helping. Yep. Well, I've always been a big thinker on other people's stories can change oh, your yeah. story. So your story is going to help somebody yes. else's story. And sadly, like just an hour before we we're doing this, um, a new friend, she, um, she's new to town just, you know, this year she shared with me cause she, she knows my story and she was like, will you pray for me? She was like, um, I found this, and this, is, is, today, this is like an hour today. ago. She said, okay. um, I know you're the praying kind and I know you'll understand this. Um, she's 47. She thought she was going through menopause. And she found out during spring break that she was pregnant. And she, oh, wow. of course, had all the emotions. Like, she has three high schoolers. And was terrified <sighs> and excited all at the same time. And she had an appointment today to follow up with the first one she did. And um, she's going to lose her baby. Um, <sighs> it's, I forget the term of it. I've actually never heard of it, the term before. So I was reading about it. So basically, like, um, there's a sack, but there's no, there's no embryo. There's no baby girl inside. Um, so she still has, you know, her, her levels are showing that she's pregnant, but eventually she's going, she's going to lose her baby. They right. decided um, not to do a DNC, just to let it happen naturally. And um, 
anyway, we're going to get together soon and talk more, talk more about that, you know, but it's just, it's you, I never knew how many women it affected until it affected me. And then it's like, everyone comes out of the woodworks and like, Oh, this happened to me 40 years ago, this happened to me, you know, or this happened to my sister. Um, even mm-hmm. my grand, um, when she was living, she lost, and I always knew she had lost a baby, but I never, I never grasped what she went through until I lost. And that's something. Well, and, and it is, it is different. Like I had a miscarriage uh-huh. before Cody, but I was not mm-hmm. full term. I was 10 weeks. So I was almost out of the, out of the woods, but I mean, I didn't feel the baby right. or anything, but then you sit there and think like, I wouldn't have had Cody. My son, my 11-year-old, the one that's around yeah. the same age as Kane. And I'm like, that would have been devastating to to Yeah, and you him. know, that, that's how we think of, of Maggie, you know, like one doesn't replace the other, but she she wouldn't be here, you know. Um, I can't imagine not having her. Um, Is she as spunky <laughs> as Abby? Not as, not as spunky. They're two totally different uh, people, but she definitely has, she's a funny, she's a funny kid. Abby was just crazy, crazy wild energy. <laughs> Maggie is, is a little more chill, but she is, she's funny, but she doesn't try to be funny. She just is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you came on today and shared your story and hopefully, you know, maybe we'll have yeah. you on again. And Thanks for, for letting me I, share. I, and I just, yeah. There is and any, any woman out there that has ever lost, like I strongly encourage you to click the link that Brandy's going to put up for Gathering Hope. Um, whether you are out of state or not, like we can get you connected and plugged in and you will be blessed. And you said there's uh, there's multiple around different states. Are there any? You know, I'm going to have to look. I know there's one in, um, I know there's one in Oklahoma, Delaware, Florida, but I mean, who knows? Because every year it's like a new state is added. And so now, so I have a friend in mind. I'm not going to say who it is because I'm hoping, you know, I don't want to out her, but I'm, and she'll be on the podcast someday, but she comes to mind in thinking of starting, you know, one of the gathering hope because, you know, is that how it works? Like, Somebody here kind of forms it. So I have somebody in mind here that may so you put me be in contact in with anyone and I can put them in contact with the the founders here and they can get it rolling. Oh, that sounds exciting. Sounds good. So so and this is mostly for like these gathering help is for women that have So it's lost strictly children. for women who've um survived miscarriage or stillbirth or infant loss. And, um, it's only women, um, can't, can't come just because we found that like women feel more comfortable when it's just other females now and bring a support person. Like there's so many that bring their moms or their sister or a friend. Um, so you don't have to experience loss to attend. You can come as a support for that person, which sometimes is what it takes for them to come. So, Oh, okay. You'll have to send me the links and I'll post them. Good to so. see you. Anyway, yes, good to see you. And we will uh, okay, bye. talk to you later. Okay, bye.